Green Future Growers, welcome to Season 3. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes for free or follow on your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing. Hey everyone, don't forget to go to the EarthWeekSummit.com uh, and sign up to attend the Earth Week Summit virtual event. If you need something to do for Earth Day in your community, you can download um, the play scripts for the Turtle Mishap and my Gaylord Nelson, Earth, founder of Earth Day, Sally Bear, Billy Bear play. You know, you can even just do them for Reader's Theater or Puppet Show or create an Earth Day event in your area. Remember, sign up EarthWeekSummit.com. Um, she's got ideas if you need something to volunteer. If you're looking for a green team to join, get her awesome workbook. If you're looking for something to do, it's Earth Day is today's April 5th, so it's um, two weeks away, two weeks from Thursday, I think. Uh, EarthWeekSummit.com. Hey listeners, do you want an earth-friendly landscape that's both functional and beautiful, that has maybe vegetables and flowers? Uh, are you wondering how to grow vegetables in the most effective way possible so you get the most produce for your labor? Have you wondered, um, you know, what's the first step I should take? Do you have questions about deep beds versus garden beds, what's right for you? Well, Mike and I have put together 12 lessons designed to help you build your own organic oasis. It combines what my guests have told me with what Mike and I have done here, or mostly Mike has done here at the um, Mike's Green Garden, although I have certainly learned from my podcast. So get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook and get started on building your own organic oasis today. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Friday, March 12th, 2021, and I have a rock star millennial on the line from Los Angeles. Here is Finian Makepeace to rock your day and share his expertise on regenerative agriculture and soil health and saving our planet. So uh, here to talk to us today is Finian. Welcome to the show, Finian. Yay! Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Hope everyone's doing well out there today. Well, go ahead and tell listeners and me a little bit more about you. Uh, my name is Finian Makepeace. Uh, I grew up in upstate New York, uh, Ithaca. Um, I grew up to, on Long Island. Oh, great. To uh, kind of the uh, very conscious-minded parents. Uh, grew up gardening, composting, was homeschooled. Spent a ton of time outside in nature, in the garden. Um, so yeah, that was a bunch of my background was running around in the woods and, and gardening and, in nature, uh, and quick thing to lead to where I am today, uh, in high school, I had an amazing biology teacher and actually got to in 12th grade, uh, in one of my bio classes, we helped Cornell, uh, graduate students in a study that was looking at how trees, um, uh, groves of trees were protecting themselves from airborne viruses by sending signals to, I think it was like up to a mile away or half a mile away, sending signals to other oak groves through mycorrhizal fungi in the soil. So I was out collecting soil samples and they were, they were making this big discovery about how vast the underground network signaling system was 
And then fast forward, I uh, was an activist most of my life and uh, things around uh, equal rights, things around politics and uh, things uh, around the environment. And I really thought I was in the know, you know, <laughs> how you're like, yeah, I know most of the things about happening with climate change. And, you know, I was felt well-researched on most of what we were heading uh, towards and the cliff that we were facing when it came to climate change, when it came to desertification, water resources, uh, spreading of deserts and refugee crises. I, I felt like I was like, yeah, I, I get it. I see it. I learn it. I've, I've been very tuned in over the past, you know, 18 years of my life. And so coming around 28, um, I was feeling very hopeless. And I actually had a dream that uh, I was an old man, about 90, living in a refugee camp in Brazil. So climate change had wrecked havoc on the world, billions of people dead and billions more misplaced. And we're living in this extreme, extreme time. And I'm in this refugee camp and my granddaughter uh, wakes me up in the middle of the night. She says, I found a hole in the fence. And the two of us sneak out of the refugee camp and we walk through the rest of the night. And then as the dawn approaches, we come over the crest of this hill and out in front of us is this large city just completely destroyed. And, you know, we'd walk through the desertified areas and she just looks up at me and she's got tears streaming down her face. And she says, why didn't you do anything to stop this from happening? And it was a life-changing moment because up until that point, I, I was a touring musician um, going around the U.S. doing a lot of activism-oriented stuff, but music was my profession. And it was, it felt like I was contributing to good causes but this dream really said, hey, if, if this time comes, if this question comes to you, what are you going to say? Are you going to have an answer that's worth a damn? And so that really got me, I think, prepared to set the course for the rest of my life of actually contributing in a bigger way to the future of humanity. And about eight months later, uh, my friend Ryland got back extremely excited from a trip he went on to New Zealand. He had seen a panel of scientists discuss, can human beings sustain themselves on planet earth? And the first five panelists said, basically, no, we're, we're on this trajectory. That's not going to allow for the planet to really survive with humans on it. And the way that we think we can. And then the last presenter said, well, while that what they said is true, we've all kind of overlooked this really big opportunity, which is soil. And not just the potential to sequester vast amounts of carbon, but also to create a more resilient and abundant planet by regenerating our soil system and using the excess carbon in the atmosphere to do so. And this was for Ryland, a flip of a switch of, wait a minute, you know, he, he was owner of Cafe Gratitude, this large rest, uh, vegan organic restaurant chain. And he's like, how did I not know about this? So he comes back to LA, he convinces Graham Sate, this gentleman who had spoken about this to stop in LA and present to a group of us. And we put together this little auditorium presentation for Graham and four hours later, uh, my mind was blown. And like I said, I had a pretty hefty background of biology and soil even, and hearing it put together in this concept of rebuilding healthy soil can happen much faster than we ever thought possible. It's happening all over the world. Um, it's, it's such a combination of, of wisdom from indigenous uh, knowledge holders to these people who are using holistic management to, to really change how soil systems are on their lands all over the world. And then the science that we have uh, at our backs and the technology that can be used when appropriate, it all come together with this solution that actually matched the seriousness of what we faced. 
And up until that point, Jackie, I was in the mindset of like, yeah, we can probably go off the cliff slower, but we're heading for inevitable doom. And the size of the crises we were heading towards and the rate we were going, even if we you know, halted all emissions, we were still heading off the cliff inevitably. But this regenerative soil concept, I, I said to myself, if I didn't know about this, probably most people didn't know either about this opportunity and the potential here. And that set us on that same night we went back and we said, if this is all true, we have to do whatever we can possibly do to help get the word about this. Cause we're not the scientists, we're not the farmers, but by gosh, we're people who can rise, raise a, raise a stink and get people more aware of this. So that set us on the course to create kiss the ground, the nonprofit. And then which also became kiss the ground, the movie. Okay, listeners, how many tears are pouring down your cheeks? Especially, Finian, this touches me because my granddaughter and my husband's, like, we feel like we've been screaming this from the, you know, woodworks. Mm -hmm. And her attitude is like, every time we come up there, all you guys want to talk about is the environment. And, like, it hasn't come crashing down on us yet. So I'm going to play this for her. Because she graduated high school two years ago, and maybe you can get through to her. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, she's a total... Well, I think the easiest thing for her to do is just go to Google Earth and look at how much of the Earth is highly degraded because of human activity. All you got to do is scroll around Google Earth and you will just see the immense uh, degradation that's leading to the catastrophic events that we're looking at today. Yeah. Well, I'm a total believer. My listeners are believers. So it's just so because like if you read like even the the taglines to our show, like in iTunes and like on my Instagram, it's like we care about saving the planet for our children. Like my show is the Green Organic Garden Podcast because my listeners are green future growers. They want to know these things anybody can teach you how to grow a big tomato and we do try to i do try to stay on task but i changed it last year because because this is so important and we do want green environments we're not just about our own backyards we're about caring for the planet i love your passion i love your mission tell me more how we can change the minds of kids like my granddaughter who think that all we care about and we're like come on we want this planet for you so your kids i mean it's so funny because i'm in northwest montana now and she grew up here and she loves hiking and she loves being outdoors but we're also in a logging community and she went to high school in a place where they're like why can't we log and you environmentalists cut all our trees down and blah 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 blah. And, and it's like yeah Anyway, you touched my well, I think heart. There's, there's I love your story there's definitely about room. what would you do? Because democracy is a participation sport. And I love mm-hmm. what you're saying. Definitely. And there's so much we can and there's so much we can do. And I, um, to answer the first, that first question if, for, for this younger person you're speaking of is um, there's a lot of room, I think, right now for what are often seen as different sides of the aisle on this issue, kind of the conservation um, um, conservative approach and the, the uh, environmentalist approach. There's been some misses that are unnecessary and where they come together and almost have a magnetism is in this emerging world around regenerative agriculture. 
So while you've had kind of your, your right-wing conservative conservation approaches with either forestry or whatnot, and then your environmentalist save the this, save the that concept, those have been unfortunately not, not together where they could be. What, where we're seeing an amazing intersection is around this concept of both joining forces with the aha moments around what's possible with regeneration. So both parties are unfortunately, I think, stuck as I was. First and foremost, just want to say, I didn't know about this. I thought I knew, but I was in the paradigm of sustain, conserve mentality. That's how we do our best to, to survive is maintain, sustain, conserve what we have. But when we talk about the paradigm of regeneration of possibility and opportunities of that, everything from biodiversity collapse, people be like, oh, how do we save all the biodiverse habitats that are left on planet earth? Of course we have to do that, not taking that away. But why are we discounting that every parcel of land has an unbelievably, almost unlimited potential and opportunity for regeneration so that it functions again. So biodiversity returns. So multiple billions of species are able to be held and grow within that. Regeneration, Jackie, I think is so fundamental because it's saying, are we helping a broken, degraded system return to its highest functioning state? And when we look around the world, when we go to Google Earth and we scroll around the globe, you'll see it's pretty darn apparent how much of our land is broken, degraded because of how we've done agriculture, whether it's overgrazing, whether it's tilling, whether it's removal of trees. We've caused across the earth ginormous impact. 75% of land on the earth is deemed degraded and humans have played a part in almost all of that degradation. So this is where we have a turning point to say both camps can come together and really start to see where the regeneration approach, the rehydration approach of our landscapes that are brittle, et cetera, can happen and bring in both the leftist environmentalist and the, the right, wing, right uh, side of kind of the conservation attitude. So we're seeing a lot of that happening, galvanization of that occurring uh, both in federal politics in the U.S. and across the world with uh, companies. It's people having the aha moment of, of regeneration. So they're awakened as our mission at Kiss the Ground is awakened to the possibilities of regeneration. That's one of the key things, the switch that goes off, whether you're ahead of a company, whether you're a college student feeling, you know, disempowered where our, our, our trajectory is headed. So you're just like, F it, I'm just done with this all. And I'm going to, I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my life. Empowering people with this opportunity of regeneration is my sole mission. And then further giving them the tools to become advocates for it. So that they don't just know they can actually go out and start making changes occur in their communities, whether in their own backyard or in, in, in their city or, or bigger in their state, et cetera. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Cause even yesterday I was on, was it just yesterday? Yeah. Uh, March 10th, Wednesday night. So our Senator, our democratic Senator from Montana is the only farmer in the senate and he has a huge farm on the east side of the mountains in montana and i was so disappointed mm. to hear him say um one that he didn't support the 15 dollar minimum wage and two he still supports the pipeline and i was like oh my gosh mm. so i i feel like not only do i want to be able to reach out to him who is an organic farmer um 
But also, mm-hmm. yeah, giving people the tools to advocate for this, giving people the knowledge. Because yeah. they say, uh, who I had somebody on who talked about backyard gardeners are actually use more chemicals and products and pesticides than big ag. And um, and I imagine a lot of that is lawns. Yeah. Um, you know, you walk into Home Depot and you see all the chemicals there. And even also there's a lot of organic practices. Like my husband and I are like struggling with the whole no dig. Like, how do we actually do this at our place? How do we put this into practice? Right, like, right. you know, I just got Charles Doubting. I'm looking right here in his no dig gardening. I listen to Jesse Fox podcast about no-till growers. Um I got yeah, you know yeah yeah go ahead well, let me let sorry me, let me try to see if I can I I can answer that in two parts. The first thing I wanted to mention in in the first section of what you were you were speaking to is this empowerment of people to to go beyond. So Kiss the Ground the movie just was launched in September of 2020. Uh, I think right now we have about 46 awards and the film's been seen about five million times across the world, and it's a fundamental tool that anyone can use, whether you're an avid gardener who has been organically gardening for, for years. Uh, but it's a tool for people to grasp that at any scale that we're talking about, this re- phenomenon of rebuilding soil, rebuilding soil health, and regenerating our, our land and our ecosystems is possible. And it's possible on small scale, and it's possible on, on very, very large scale. To really jump to your point really quick, one of the reasons why quote unquote, per acre, uh, uh, you're going to have gardeners using more product is just a bottom line phenomenon. When you go to the store and buy nitrogen fertilizer for your yard, you're not thinking about the calculations of 5,000 acres of making sure that expensive fertilizer is spread to the best of its ability. You're just throwing handfuls out and not realizing that you're actually damaging your soils uh, in the process or the, the lifeblood of your soils in the process and it just makes your yard green for a while, but then you become, you know, on this chemical addiction and, and you go that way. But it, I think it's mostly about just the liberalness of because you have a small yard, people are just not accounting for the pennies that they're saving if they do a less amount of these chemicals. So that's one of the big reasons, I think. But to, to compare it is just kind of silly because the vast scale of how much glyphosate or how much uh, is being used uh, in our farmland um, per gallon or per ton is, is just obviously extreme uh, in the case of, of our, uh, our farms. One thing that people can really, I think, be empowered to do on the advocacy side is start to create conditions where their city or their municipality is halting the usage of this stuff. So if you look at non-toxic neighborhoods, for example, uh, they're one of the groups that through our soil advocate training program we're, we're empowering you, training you to be a soil advocate, but also uh, working, for example, if you want to halt the use of these toxic uh, chemicals in your parks or, or in your school district on, on the playing fields, you can do that really quickly and actually have a win on a policy level that's broad sweeping and making big changes. So your kids aren't rolling around in grass that has not glyphosate because that, that's, not, that's not used on grass per se, but all these other terrible chemicals. They're often applied to our playing fields for our kids. So there's big wins that I think organic gardeners can be the, the, the heartbeat for in their local communities to start to make uh, this kind of general global awareness or, or awareness 
raise up of like, we have to stop using these chemicals as if they're not harmful. They are, especially as you uh, see them getting into our waterways, et cetera. So I was just going to say that and getting into your water supply. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's happening everywhere. And that's where kids are like, you know, kids are closer to the ground. They have smaller, you know, their lungs are smaller. Mm -hmm. These chemicals, there's not studies on kids and how much it affects them. They say it's, oh, it's not as bad for you, but maybe if you're 16 years old or older, grown up, and your body, one, is further away from the chemicals. And that's where people's pets play and run. And Right. Well, that's the other thing is they never do the studies of the compounding. They don't have you know, they can say, oh, we studied this one mm-hmm. chemical. It doesn't seem that harmful. First of all, it accumulates. Second of all, it's not talked about in, oh, wait, you have six different chemicals that are compounding inside your body. So they haven't done any, there's no way to do those studies because no one would put any human into those studies or even an animal where you're saying, oh, we're going to say for six years, you play baseball and you're on these fields that are sprayed with this and they're sprayed with these four different chemicals. And all of these chemicals are are perpetually adding to themselves, you know, inside your body building up and there's multiple different cross uh, contamination things that are happening in your body. It's just insane. Like what we're doing is just absolutely bonkers. Um, so I am, I encourage people, Jackie, that this is, this is an opportunity for all of us to learn on our own personal level, start learning about the principles of soil health and we can apply them to our gardens. But what I'm excited about is when we practice this stuff and start to see the results in our own gardens and grasp the opportunity that that means for our local park management, or that means for our, our federal um, laws, or that means for farmer management, we can start to see, yes, this isn't necessarily an easy shift all the time from where we're at, but the, the consequences are quite amazing. So when, when gardeners say, wait a minute. So you're telling me that if I just leave my soil bare, even if I put compost on, I'm still having a, a, a net carbon loss or I'm, I'm releasing CO2. Yep. That's the case. No way around it. If you have beautiful looking soil and you amend it and you have your compost and it looks nice and fluffy and black and perfect. If you don't cover that with plants, you're losing carbon. You're a net carbon. Uh, loss. That's just how it goes. The pump that we're trying to activate on planet Earth is plants using photosynthesis to convert carbon from carbon dioxide into liquid, which is the the the, uh, the essentially liquid carbohydrates, which is the the glucose mixed with water that they pull up. That's what builds the plant. We know that. That's pulled from outside of in the atmosphere, the carbon. But what is the big aha and the big kicker around building soil is the main way to build soil is through living plants releasing or exuding or sweating out, however you want to point it, 30 to 40% of their liquid sugars into the ground to build and share, sorry, to share with microbes who in exchange are making the minerals available to them that otherwise wouldn't be available for the plant. And the process of those organisms being fed, they create glues that aggregate and build soil structure. And that's the carbon that's uh, stuck in those aggregates. That's that glue is made of carbon that used to be carbon in our atmosphere. So unless we're maximizing on every square foot of land, maximizing how much carbon is being pumped into the system to create a net carbon gain, 
even a backyard garden on its own could be a, a net carbon loss. So you say, oh, wow, I have these plants. They're all in their own place. And, you know, 90% of the ground is uncovered with shade and with by the plants and is just bare, beautiful looking soil. And then the next year it looks kind of less beautiful and more degraded. I have to add compost again. So I, I want the, the, the gardeners out there to start thinking in terms of regeneration. Am I applying all of the necessary things that my, my soil needs every year? Or am I setting up a system for a positive feedback loop of regeneration to occur? And ultimately, what it comes down to is, are you helping more plants throughout the year pump more liquid sugar into the ground? And that's where something like compost needs to be seen not as a soil amendment or a fertilizer, but as an active biological agent that helps encourage plants to share more of their sugars. So it's a slow release nutrient that's helping plants photosynthesize more, which means more carbon pumped into the ground. We, we can all help nature set up to maximize its uh, a, a potential for regenerating our soil system. So, you know, tilling your ground less in your off months, your off seasons, do you have every part of your soil covered? I know that gardening can't always have multi-species cover crops because certain things are impossible to do unless you have certain equipment uh, in a garden. So in some cases, yeah, you're going to have to make some adjustments, but throughout the entire year, are you moving to maximize the photosynthetic capacity? And that's why I'd encourage some people it's yards aren't necessarily bad, if they're you know, two inches high or cut really short all year, that potential for carbon sequestration, water infiltration rates is gonna be limited. But if you have nice tall four inch plus growing grass throughout the year, that's a potential carbon sink where you're pumping carbon in, you're having a very good sponge created for your water when it rains. Uh, if so, and you're applying compost to it. So you're you know, mildly applying watering here and there uh, because your system is, is resilient. But we've kind of just said, oh, grass is bad. Be like, well, is it bad or is it how you manage it? Are cows bad or is it how they're managed? The how really starts to come into such a big play when people are moving from just quote unquote organic gardening to regenerative organic gardening. We're actually helping the system to be self-perpetually regenerating itself. So anyway, that was a long rant, but I encourage people to take this information and then be able to talk to their cities, talk to their localities or states and, and say, hey, we got to start managing all of our land in these principles. Yeah, fitting in. I love that. And if I just post this live today or soon, people could have like a goal for Earth Day to maybe get that done. They could get Joan hmm. Gregerson's book. And I know her plan is like 90 days, but you could shorten it and try to find a team or maybe your goal will be to get your team gathered on earth day to get this into place to um you know do something in your community it starts locally the more local systems we get then national yeah, policy yeah. will change your, your local then state then national it starts with you even if you just get it going in your backyard and get your neighborhood get you know start Finian's like his passion is awesome. He's taught us tons of action steps we can take 
I've had plenty of guests on this year talking about no-till, covering your ground. I even thought about the 2021 challenge being maximize your photosynthesis because... Yes, I love it. it. That was what Daniel Uh said on Uh episode one of season three that launched January 1st. He was like, like his heading is maximize your photosynthesis and... I even last summer I struggled with this. Like Patty, that woman I was telling you about, came out and looked at my one bed that I had like started to dig up, and I didn't have time to finish it right away, and it was just sitting there bare. And I know she was just cringing. And <laughs> between my lawn that she thinks is just massive, so I love that you. I don't feel quite as guilty about my lawn as I know she struggles. Well, well, this is this is the question where. We live in the forest. She doesn't live in the forest. It's it's fire break. It's it ha it Well this is this is this is a question for lawns and stuff. There there are plenty of ways to have your lawn acting to regenerate the soil. And where it makes sense, it, it can make sense. And this is where like I did a you know non-scientific study, but I applied compost two years ago to my front yard. And the I live in Los Angeles. Okay, so most people spend a hefty sum on their watering. And I was able to witness my lawn staying green with no watering and then very seldom, once a month, very short periods of watering needed um, because I applied compost. And I used a pitchfork during our rainy season to pitchfork into the ground, add some mycorrhizal fungi, add my compost, and my yard management changed completely. So I went from quote unquote needing to water, even though I let my lawn yard brown because I just didn't want to water environmentally. But if I had tried to keep it uh, green without doing what I had done the next year, it really took way too much water. It was kind of gross. And then to be like, I, I literally don't need to water this entire month and it's July and my neighbors are out watering literally every two days. This is where we start to say management matters. And it's not just the what, it's the how. It's not the what, it's the how. Maximize photosynthesis. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, how do we get you on Bill Maher, Finian? That's where we need you. Uh, he needs to learn this too. I probably got to write a book. But um, one, one more thing I wanted to encourage folks to do for, for bringing together their energy. Uh, this isn't just an advertisement, but it kind of is. But um, right now I have about five, four, 400 or so folks from around the world taking a soil advocate training course together. And it's incredible because when you start to learn these principles and grasp them and learn how to talk about them, uh, my whole mission right now is to say, I'm making change. I'm helping right now where we have a new initiative called Regenerate LA, which is twofold about really maximizing park management to become regenerative for all the, the public lands to be regeneratively managed. And then also food procurement from uh, local and regenerative sources so that we're actually getting our school districts and these other places to be purchasing and helping support regenerative farmers. I've been doing policy for a long time, uh, but I teach people how to see that their ability to impact change, especially locally, is there waiting for them. If you can come help these council members or their staff to write the policy, get new things implemented, you can make a significant difference very quickly within a year or two, you can radically alter the trajectory of your own town, city, or state even. So through soil advocate training, I'm empowering people from all over the world to say, look, we can't just count on the people who are, who are out there presenting or on podcasts right now. We need to make 
millions of people just as eloquent, just as activated, and they need to be able to start from where they are, knowing that they're on a trajectory of learning curve. They need to be able to be empowered enough, even if they don't know all the science. They need to be able to say, I don't know, but I'm still here activating. So I, I train people to maximize their ability today and being able to get this word out or spread the word or, or, or change policy, but also be on a trajectory of becoming experts in this field. So I, I'm here to serve that mission of, of more and more people feeling empowered to take so where this do they sign up? Lives kisstheground.com. Uh, I think it's on the homepage, become a soil advocate. Um, they can do that. And this is again, and we have a new course is going to be coming around gardening, regenerative gardening. That won't be out for a couple months, but right now you can join soil advocate training, which is, I think going to take a lot. We have a lot of gardeners, people who started from organic gardening, who are in the course being like, I've always loved gardening. I, I didn't understand the, the carbon pump. I didn't understand the maximized photosynthesis thing. It's okay. I, no one knew, like generally Al Gore didn't know this stuff. Like you're not late to the party. Like this is pretty new. A bunch of indigenous cultures got this, but through and through throughout the world, most people didn't get this. So don't worry. You're not an idiot. No one, no one generally knew about this stuff, including myself, including, you know, I I joke and I say, but it was real. Like when you, uh, three or four years ago, when you Googled the most famous environmentalist, there'd be like faces of 12 people who come up. And then you look at those people and you're like, wow, these are the most famous known environmentalists in the world. One of them over 15 years ago knew about the power of soil and regenerative agriculture. That's Dr. Vandana Shiva. So you're like, okay, if she was the only one who knew and they were all famous environmentalists supposed to know their stuff about this, that's okay that I didn't know either. And now we can get a hold of this and have humans have this amazing opportunity to regenerate our world together. And, and both sides of the aisle can be invited. And this isn't a one size fits all. This is, this is regeneration and possible everywhere. Sorry. I hope I didn't, uh, I'm giving you huge applause. I need to get like an applause recording clip or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Finian, I know you have to go. Thank you so much for sharing your like passion, your expertise, for giving us a place to go to become an advocate. Listeners, my show, I know you've heard a lot of the regen. You are ahead of the waves. Now, take your knowledge, get out there, get his training, and figure out how to share it with your community. And I see there's a Kiss the Ground book, too, which I'm going to read because I'm much more of a reader than I am a movie watcher type of thing. But uh, anything else you want to say? Like, what's the movie about? Just super quick. Like, what? I have no idea what this movie's about. I think the movie, the movie will give you hope and inspiration that that we can do this. Uh, our motto is "Together we can do this," and I think the movie uh, not only sheds some of the light on the the basics of how and why this can work, but really is a, a different perspective than almost every other documentary on climate change right now is. We are going towards doomsday unless we regenerate our, our world. And that's the opportunity that, that the kind of the new paradigm for humanity to, to step into. So the film is, is about the science. It's about the technical. It's about how farmers can lead on this. And, and, and it's also about inspiration and, and having people feel like we can seize the day and, and shift the trajectory. And that it starts locally instead of us all feeling like, 
what am I going to do? How am I going to fight, you know, big oil and all these corporations? Well, you don't actually have to do that. You can start in your local community by getting your parks changed. Like you've given so many cool, like. But at the same time, if people have that, if people have that desire, Jackie, like I was just helping Gabe Brown with his testimony uh, for the house ag committee two weeks ago. Um, all things, if you're going to change a company who you know someone who's the head of a large corporation or whatever, get them inspired. No one is impenetrable from this aha moment if they're offered it. So we don't have to act like everyone's evil. Some people are very- uh, I know, and my listeners have told are, me are I'm weird, very but... close-minded lately. <laughs> no, no, it's just not, not everybody is um, going to accept this. But if you're saying, hey, I got this aha moment, and then uh, why couldn't the head of this company get it? And we've been flabbergasted by who has taken this upon themselves and redirected where their company's going in it. Yeah, they can be inches, but, but that's what it takes. Collectively, if we're all shifting together, we're going to need all hands on deck to move the, the, the needle on this paradigm for humanity. So thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, your enthusiasm uh, as well. Thank you for sharing with us. You have a great day. Keep on rocking it. And if you ever want to come back or whatever, let me know. Thanks so much. Okay. Talk soon. Uh, okay. Well, I'll let you know what's up. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Don't forget to go to the EarthWeekSummit.com uh, and sign up to attend the Earth Week Summit virtual event. If you need something to do for Earth Day in your community, you can download um, the play scripts for the Turtle Mishap and my Gaylord Nelson Earth founder of Earth Day, Sally Bear, Billy Bear play. You know, you can even just do them for Reader's Theater or Puppet Show or create an Earth Day event in your area. Remember, sign up earthweeksummit.com. She's got ideas if you need something to volunteer. If you're looking for a green team to join, get her awesome workbook. If you're looking for something to do, it's Earth Day is today's April 5th, so it's um, two weeks away, two weeks from Thursday, I think. Uh, earthweeksummit.com. Hey listeners, do you want an earth-friendly landscape that's both functional and beautiful, that has maybe vegetables and flowers? Uh, Are you wondering how to grow vegetables in the most effective way possible so you get the most produce for your labor? Have you wondered, um, you know, what's the first step I should take? Do you have questions about deep beds versus garden beds, what's right for you? Well, Mike and I have put together 12 lessons designed to help you build your own organic oasis. It combines what my guests have told me with what Mike and I have done here, or mostly Mike has done here at the um, Mike's Green Garden, although I have certainly learned from my podcast. So get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook and get started on building your own organic oasis today. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.